The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Hey guys, this is your friendly neighborhood elder uh, coming to you. I need to give a disclaimer before you listen to uh, this sermon. Uh, in it, you'll hear me commit movie buff sacrilege as I totally botched the plot to Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I have seen it, uh, but I somehow in the moment uh, mixed up Morgan Freeman's character, uh, Alice Boyd Red Redding, uh, with his friend Brooks Hatlin, who is played by James Whitmore in the movie. Uh, it is not, of course, Morgan Freeman's character who kills himself after leaving prison. Uh, It is uh, his friend Brooks who can't adjust to life outside Shawshank and therefore ends up taking his life. So uh, please uh, forgive my sacrilege and I hope outside of that you can enjoy the sermon. Thank you very much. I think all of us, no no matter where we are in life and no matter kind of what how, how far along we are in life. Some of us are, are younger than others in here, and uh, it, Dale mentioned that we were up to past three. Did you tell him what time we were up till the other night? So, yeah, we're, we're up late after three on Friday night doing some strategizing, and we got in the room. We started unpacking all that we were learning and going over stuff and making plans and doing all, doing all kinds of things, and then uh, you know, before we knew it, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and Dale and I were like, it was after 3, actually, and by the time we went to bed, it was close to 3.30, and Dale and I were like, oh, man, we're, we, had, we had a session the next morning, and we, you tell, we were not kids anymore, we had to get up in the morning, and all day long, we're like, oh, this is terrible, but uh, we, we made it home, and there were no accidents, so that was really cool, but, you know, no matter, no matter where we are, some of us are younger than others, some of us are further along in life, some of us are pretty young in our faith, and some of us are further along in our faith, but no matter where we are, like, we want to change, right? I mean, there's stuff about you that you would like to change, things in your life that you would like to change. We all have things in our life um, that, that, like, is either, like, something I'm working on for myself right now or is, like, on the to-do list. You know the to-do list. Like, oh, one day I'm going to get back in the, the, the gym. That would be, like, the number one for a while. I'm going to get back in the gym, right? And so, like, I'm not going to cancel my gym membership because I'm going to get back in, you know, next month. And we keep paying it, keep paying it, making them a fortune because we're not there. But we, have, but we have something about our lives that we want to change. And some of us, we don't really want to think about it, but we have those scary moments where we're in a car and a quiet. I was listening to this I would love to have played it this morning, but um, there are parts of it that are not appropriate. There's, there's a comedian called Louis C.K., and uh, he was on uh, Conan uh, a week or so ago. He was on Conan a few years ago. It was brilliant. We had this whole bit where he talked about how everything's amazing, but nobody's happy right now. Like, uh, you know, we have, we fly in, we fly in the air and we have like mobile phones that connect us to the world, and yet we're always getting irritated because we think the world owes us something. Everything's amazing, but nobody's happy. Well, in, in, he was sitting with Conan and he was talking about how, uh, how, and you know how we're always texting while we're driving or looking up something or, you know, he said, I drive around and 100% of people around me are texting and we're killing each other. We're, we're getting in wrecks. We're hitting each other. We're, you know, we're all kinds of crazy things. But the, I, we, and we know, like, it's not safe to text and to drive. Like, they, like, we know that is not a smart idea, but we would rather 
be texting somebody or on Facebook or look, looking, somebody, looking something up to avoid that moment where we're driving in the car alone and we just are confronted with the idea that, man, I'm really sad inside. Like, like life is tough, life is hard, and we feel that pushing in on us. And instead of like actually dealing with that and facing it head on, we'd rather, we'd rather kill ourselves or kill somebody else and text and drive. We'd rather disengage in conversations and daily, daily life just to keep ourselves from having to think about what life is like and how hard things are. And sometimes we don't even want to think about what we need to change, right? Because change seems so big and so like looming in front of us. Like we all have things about our personalities, our relationships, our circumstances that we want to change, but the question is, how do we do it? How do we change? I mean, whatever your thing is, it could be spiritual, it could be a habit, it could be uh, just, you know, changing how you do something, like, but how do you change? Change seems so hard, Right? Like, we, we try to change, I'm going to try to do this, I'm going to try to do better, I'm going to try to be nicer, I'm going to try to eat better, I'm going to try to get back in the gym, I'm going to try to do this and that, but it's so difficult to sustain any lasting change. It's so hard to, like, just stick with something. You, you find yourself, like, like you just, like, and, and so you get to a point where you say, well, this is just who I am. I'm just this guy. I'm, I'm the guy who... Who, I'm the smart aleck. I'm the sarcastic guy. I'm the guy that doesn't really have any friends. I'm the guy who uh, uh, is just, uh, my eyes are always looking around. I'm, I'm the guy that's going to be eating. I'm the guy that's going to be big. I'm the guy that's going to be, uh, that's never going to, I'm, I'm never going to get back to the gym. So you just kind of get, and then we start to accept this place where I am never going to change. This is just who I'm going to be forever. We just sort of calcify in that place. And so there's different questions, different, different answers that we all have on how we're going to change. Like for some of us, it's someday. Like I think I told you guys before, like for me, like I knew like uh, my lifestyle like a couple years ago had to change. I couldn't keep on eating the way I was eating and doing the things I was doing. But my idea was that I'm, I'm going to change one day, which is kind of crazy because my dad had his first heart attack. I think he was like 42 years old. I'm 35 now, so I'm like knocking on the door. And, but it was for, for me, it was like someday. Someday I'm going to change. And the someday actually forced itself on me. But for, that was my answer for a long time. I, I'm just someday I'm going to change. And some of this is like, oh, it's just by discipline. Like tomorrow, like you're the grinder, you're the gritter. You're like, I'm going to get up in the morning, 445. I'm going to be in the gym. I'm going to, whatever, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You're, you're by sheer force of your will, you kind of hold things together. But the problem is that's not really sustainable. Like I said, like time passes, things happen and you kind of go back to where things were because it's not sustainable. So Christianity has a different answer to the question how do we change? And it actually answers three different questions about change. Um, we're going to look at Ephesians 4, verse 17. Now, the first question is that Christianity answers, and it answers it differently than any, anything else is, what needs to change? So let's look at verse 17. Now, this I say in testifying the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Okay, so right there, we're like, okay, I'm tracking with you. Like, uh, there, there's good things to do and there's bad things to do. And he's saying, I don't want you to act like the bad people anymore. Those Gentiles, those people that aren't Christians, that are outside the church, I don't want you to act like them. I want you to act a different way. So like, we're tracking, like, okay, that's what, that's the Christianity I recognize. That's the religion I recognize, that I need to be different. I need to quit doing the bad things and start doing the good things. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. So, so it seems to be 
you know, it seems to be the, you know, pretty normal so far. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. Now, that's kind of interesting. He's saying the problem is that they are, that whenever you're not a believer, when you're not a Christian, that you're, you're thinking differently. Verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So the picture that he's painting there, if you, if you, if you look at the, the wording, there he, uh, he's giving the picture that they're acting a certain way, but it's not that they're acting a certain way and they need to stop doing that and acting a different way. He's saying they're acting that way because they're blind. When, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, the way that you're acting, the, all the things that he's going to get ready to list that you're not supposed to do, you're acting that way because, because when he, that word that says ignorance there, it doesn't have to do with like something that you haven't heard. It has to do with something that you, you lack the comprehension. So, so when you try to tell, like my, my, my Landon, is, he's my Landon, my, my son Landon, he's three years old, and there, there are certain things that I can try to tell him that he gets, Right? He loves music, so like, I can tell him, like, let's watch the Wiggles, and he gets super excited. But if I sit down and try to explain to him, which would be funny coming from me because I know nothing about music, but I sit down and, sit, and, and he goes to get out of the guitar, and he starts to play it along with the Wiggles, and he really gets into it, and he's got good form, and he's, he's going at it like this, and you know, he's got the whole thing down. But if I sit down with him and try to explain musical composition to him, he's not going to get that. If I can get down and start to explain to him the notes that he should be playing and the sound that each string on that guitar makes and why he should hold it certain ways and why he does this, and, and he's not going to understand the ideas of musical comprehension. He cannot comprehend it yet. And, he, and what Paul is saying is that people who aren't believers act a certain way, not because they're just need, they, they're, they're not smart and they're not making the right decision. He says they're, they're acting that way because they just don't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense to them. I can sit down with Landon and have him sit down as I explain the whole idea of musical composition. We can watch videos online and take Wikipedia, and I can have Charles come over and give him guitar lessons, or his Mai who's the superstar in our family because she plays the guitar, have Mai come over and show him guitar lessons, and he would sit there the whole time, and he would get nothing out of it because he just lacks the comprehension and the ability to understand. And he's saying whenever you're darkened in your mind, that's why they're acting a particular way way because they just don't get it. So the first answer to the question about what needs to change is, he's not saying your behavior needs to change, he's saying your comprehension needs to change. He's saying, whenever he uses this word, these words, um, they are darkened in their understanding, they're alienated from the life of God because of that ignorance, that's what that ignorance means in there, due to their hardness of heart, they become callous. The wording in there is like a, a medical word, and they would use it in the Greek for like when a calcium deposit would build up on a bone, and like in a joint, joint and it would get really hard, and they, they would use that same medical word for your eyes, and when they used that for your eyes, it meant you're blind. He's saying that the problem isn't that you're, you need to stop doing something and start doing something else. He says the problem is, first of all, that you need to be brought from blindness to sight. You need to be brought from death to life. So the first answer to how do you change that Christianity is answering is the question of why, uh, uh, what needs to change 
And it's not like you need to get better resolve or stronger willpower or better self-discipline. But for first, the first question is, you need to become a believer. You need to have God breathe his, his breath of life in you and give you new life so that you are no longer darkened in your understanding and blind and calloused and hard in your heart. You need somebody to come in and cause a change that you cannot cause on your own. I told you guys before, I get geeky about them, the, the um, C.S. Lewis uh, fiction books, The Chronicles of Narnia, brilliant, absolutely brilliant books. You should all, if you don't have time, you're not going to take time to read them, that's all right. I, was like, I, got, I didn't read them as a kid uh, because it's like the magician's nephew and the lion witch in the wardrobe. We're like, oh, that must be terrible stuff. We, were, we, were, we lived in Horry County. We didn't know. You know, C.S. Lewis. And so we're like, oh, it's about witches. It must be terrible. It must be evil. But it's, it's really awesome. If you're, but if you're an adult and you've never read them, you absolutely have to read them. If you're not going to sit down and read the actual books, get them on audio. It, it is worth Check them out from the library, listen to them. It's brilliant. But there's this one book called The Dawn Treader, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And there's this guy named Eustace. He's a kid and he's a brat. You guys have been around these guys. I'm not going to name anybody, but you've been around these guys. They're a brat. So Eustace is a brat. He's an absolute, absolute pest. And so they go on this great event. I mean, he gets pulled into Narnia. He didn't believe it exists. And then you would think that he would be amazed and he's not. He hates it. He's always complaining the whole time. They're on this amazing ship, on this amazing journey through the ocean and seeing all these cool things. And having all those cool encounters, and you would think he'd be like, this is awesome. I'm a kid. I'm on a pirate ship, and I'm traveling through the... No, he he's, hates it the whole time, but they end up landing on this island, and the ship is messed up, and they need to get it repaired, and he does, decides he doesn't want to help repair the ship, and so he sneaks away so that he won't have to work, like kind of like you... Like some of you guys do when we go to tear down at the end of the, the deal, but that's okay. So you, you sneak away at the end of the corner and you talk to somebody while we all put it up, and that's kind of what Eustace did. He got away in the corner, hidden, and what and he what he he happens upon a a, a sorry not a dinosaur a, a dinosaur would be crazy. He happens upon a, a dragon, and the dragon is dying, and he watches the he happens to come up upon the dragon right at the end of his life, and he he's dying. He watches the dragon die, and Eustace is like. He's discovered the dragon's hoard because dragons always have treasures, right? We all know this is true. He goes into the dragon's cave, and the dragon has heaps and heaps of treasure in there. And he's like, this is amazing. This is the best thing that's happened so far. I am now rich beyond my wildest dreams. And he picks up this bracelet that, that he has there, and he puts it on his arm. It's too big for it. So he puts it real high. He falls asleep because he's lazy. And then when he wakes up, a transformation has occurred. And now he's a dragon. And the bracelet that wouldn't fit him anymore, it's stuck up on this, this, like, this part of the, the dragon. I don't know, what do you call that a part of a dragon? But it's stuck up near the shoulder of the dragon, and it hurts him all the time. And he's a, he's a dragon. I mean, he's just stuck being a dragon. And so he, he traveled, he has a little adventure, and then at the end he's like, the, the, the boat is finally repaired, and they're going to leave. And they can't take him with him because he's a dragon. And of dragons, as we all know, can't ride on boats. They're too big, right? I mean, this is all, you know, you guys know this. So a dragon can't ride the boat, so he thinks he's going to be stuck on the island. And Aslan, the lion, who is Jesus, it's awesome. Aslan comes along and meets him, and he hears Aslan call him. He says, come follow me. And he takes him down by the river or lake, I forget, but he takes him down by, and he says, you need to take your, your dragon suit off. 
And so Eustace pulls out, he's got these sharp claws, and he starts to, to he, he cuts down the middle, and he starts to, and he's like, oh, this is awesome. And he peels his dragon skin off, and he sees it thrown to the side like a snake skin. And he's like, oh, that's great. And then he looks down, but he's still a dragon. And he does the same thing again. He cuts down with his sharp claws. He pulls the dragon suit off, throws it off to the side. He's like, that's awesome. I finally got to the bottom. No, I'm still a dragon. And he does that three times. Leaves three dragon skins to the side. And he can't, he just, it feels good every time he cuts that, that top layer of skin off, but he just can't get down. And then finally Aslan says, you're going to have to have me undress you. Oh, <laughs> this is awesome. So, so Aslan walks up to him and he takes out his claws and he cuts down the middle and it hurts. It hurts like the Dickens because it goes deeper than his own claws can go. It goes deep, deep, deep and it hurts the whole time as he drags it down the skin and then he forcibly pulls Eustace up out of the skin and throws him into the water. But when Eustace comes out, he's a boy again. And the dragon suit is lying on the ground. He was super deep. There was no way he could ever get deep enough to take it all off. And see, change, the, kind of, the kind of gospel change that we're called to live as, live as Christians, the kind of change that Christianity proposes, is not the kind of change where just by my effort, I'm able to, I'm able to leave little light layers of skin to the side so I'm a little bit better than I used to be. I'm a little bit nicer than I used to be. I'm a little bit more disciplined than I used to be. I have a little bit more Bible than I used to have. I know a little bit more verses than I used to know. I know a few more Christian songs. And maybe every now and then I get the guts up to listen to, no, I can't listen to Caleb. And, you know, get my guts up to, to, to listen to some Christian music. And, and so along and along, I'm kind of pulling my own skin off. I'm getting better, better, gradually, gradually. But that's not the picture. He says he comes in suddenly, forcibly, violently, and goes deep, deeper than you and I can go ourselves. And he transforms us. The first change that needs to happen is that kind of change. It's a deep change. It's a change from blindness to sight. It's a change, it's a change from death to life. So that's the Christianity's first answer to what kind of change we need. Let's read on. They become callous and, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. But that is not the way you learned Christ. So he's saying there is a difference. There was a once for all amazing, sudden, excuse me, change that happened in your life from one moment to another moment when you first became a believer that was sudden, deep, overwhelming, violent change from death to life, from blindness to sight. When he says that's not the way you learned Christ, or that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, he's saying that you've heard about who Jesus is and what he did, that that's the first thing that causes you to change, that whenever you hear about who Jesus was, that he was the son of God, that he came to earth, that he, you know, you know the other, 
yesterday, Dale and I were talking, coming up here about the text that we're going to be in today, and about about us preaching, and you know how what this should look like on Sunday mornings, and what go in the future. And and he said something really cool to me. He said, "You know what? Uh, we should we should we should be encouraged that." Uh, he said, Mark Devers, this guy up in, in Washington, he said, sometimes it sounds to himself like he's saying the same thing over and over again every week. But you know why that is? Because we need to hear the same thing over and over a week, every week. So hopefully you're going to hear me continue to say every week that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, came to earth, died a substitutionary death for you and me, cha- did pay the debt that you and I could never pay, and when you and I put our, he rose again after that death, and when you and I put our faith and trust in him, when we recognize that he is both Lord and Savior. So some of us want him to be Savior, but we don't want him to be Lord. And some of us want, are okay with him being Lord, but we're not willing to, like, okay, God, I'll do whatever you say, but we are not going to trust him that, uh, that, he, that he took the penalty, that he lived the life I could not live because I want to still pull myself up by the bootstraps. But no, when I accept that he is both Savior and he is Lord, I put my trust in that. Whenever you do that, that you are brought from death to life. So the truth that is in Jesus is the, is the historical fact of who Jesus is and what he, and what he did. So why do you need to change? That's the second question that Christianity is answering that, that in a different way than the rest of the world is answering. Because we all know we, want, we need to change. We all want to change some things or know that one day I'm going to need to change something. But what is Christianity saying about change? First of all, what needs to change? I need to go from blindness to sight, from death to life. But why do I need to change? I don't need to change because, um, because God is saying... Uh, I need you to be a better person. I need you to quit sleeping around, or I need you to quit mouthing off to people. I need you to quit uh, being undisciplined. So, I, so okay, God said that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work really hard and be more disciplined. I'm gonna be a better husband. I'm gonna be a better uh, brother, a better father. I'm gonna work really hard. I'm gonna do all this stuff. That's not why you need to change. Why you need to change is because, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? It's because you're a dragon. You need to be a boy because you're blind and you need to have sight. You need to ch- that's why, why you need to change. That's why I need to change. That's why whenever he's saying to us as believers, when he's talking about now living out a new kind of change, as we're going to be talking about, he's saying, I'm not telling you to not do these bad things because those are bad. I'm telling you not to do those things because that's not who you are. Look at verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we have three commands there regarding chains. He says, I want you to put off the old man. So the key part about that is, is that is the old man. So, so in Eustace, uh, I ha- so uh, Kramer and I were talking on the way uh, up to um, uh, up to Columbia the other day when we went. We're, we're talking about how uh, he and I have both, both been losing weight. And he was talking about how he doesn't have anything that fits him anymore. Like, none of, none of his clothes fit him anymore. His, 
his, uh, his he only has one pair of shorts he can wear, like one pair of jeans, like nothing fits him anymore. I, I've been losing some weight, like so, so some of my things don't fit anymore. Like I have one pair of jeans, that's why I'm always in the same pair of jeans. In the past, the past one, I have one pair of jeans I can wear now, and even these are starting to get a little loose, which is pretty cool. But so, but <laughs> it would be whenever you, whenever you become a believer in Christ. You become a whole new cre- creation, a whole new creature. And the reason that you need to change your behaviors is because the old clothes that you used to have no longer fit you anymore. Have you guys seen Shawshank Redemption? That was a great movie. And one of the things that happens at the end is Samuel Jackson, I mean, not Samuel Jackson, um, I'm having a brain fart, Morgan Freeman, thank you. Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Morgan, Morgan Freeman, uh, he's been in prison for, how long has he been in there? I can't remember. 30 years he's been in prison. So, so he's used to the prison wave of him. Finally, he gets out. And whenever he finally gets out, after 30 years of longing to, to get out of the prison that he was in, he gets out and he can't readjust to life. Because he's so used to, to, to the way life has been for thir- three years decades in prison that he cannot adjust to the new life that he's in outside of it. He can't adjust to it. He ends up taking his life. But you know, so many of us, we want to change, want to change, want to change. But whenever we become believers, we understand that that's not who we are anymore, but we still think like we're back in prison. We still think like we're the old ways. I still think I can fit those clothes. And so I'm, I'm ridiculous. I'm walking around wearing clothes that I'm three, four, five sizes too big. You know, I, I have a pair of shorts the other day that I, that I wore, and I, I forgot to wear a belt. And so, like, I, I would, they would be fine when I was walking around, but when I put my keys in my pocket, they're, like, trying to fall down and slip, slip past me, having to keep pulling up all the time and pulling up all the time. It, I, it puts... You know, put my phone and my keys, and they're both now both sides. I'm just like slipping right down, like even past my my you know baby got back, even slipping past that, slipping right down, and I can't keep holding up. It's ridiculous because it doesn't fit me anymore. He said the reason that you need to change your behaviors as a believer, the reason you need to continue to grow and change, is not because God says. Um, you ha- you're earning your way to anything that, that you're a better Christian because you're not sleeping around anymore or you're not doing this or you're, you're, you're being uh, better with your words or I'm not gossiping as much. You're not a better Christian because you're doing that. He says you need to change the what, the, what you're doing because you have changed because those are actions that are like the clothes that no longer fit you anymore. It's like the jumpsuit that Morgan Freeman wore that doesn't fit him anymore because he has been freed. You, the reason that you and I need to no longer walk like the Gentiles as the people that don't believe in Jesus Christ do is not because we earn anything, but because it's not who you are anymore. It's ridiculous for you to keep those kind of clothes on. That's not who you are anymore. And it's not who you are anymore. So lastly, so the, question, the three questions are that Christianity answers differently than the rest of the world is what needs to change? I need to be brought from blindness to sight, death to life, light from darkness to light. 
Why do we need to change? Not because of anything that I earn, but, at, but I need to change, first of all, because if I'm not a believer, I am blind, I'm in darkness, I'm doomed for eternal damnation apart from Christ, and so I need to place my, fa- my faith and trust in him in order to be united to him, in order to be brought out so I, can my eye, so I can see. And then as a Christian, the reason I need to continue to change and no longer act like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking because that doesn't fit me anymore. It's not who I am anymore. And the third question is, how does that change occur? So first of all, I've already said it is, Christian change is, first of all, it's sudden. Like a prisoner being freed. Morgan Freeman, there was a a moment whenever he was a prisoner at Shawshank, and then the next moment he was no longer a prisoner. Remember that scene when he's actually leaving the prison for the first time? And how amazing is it? I mean, those walls have held him captive. He's been, can't, he couldn't wait to get out. He's, he's every single day, every single moment, longing to be freed, longing to be let out, but he is a prisoner. And that, yet, at one moment, his, his sentence is over, and he is no longer a prisoner of Shawshank. He is a free man. Christian change is, first of all, sudden. It happens in a moment. It is once for all. On our side, it, it, we call it conversion. On God's side, it's called regeneration. It's, and I, I made that difference because on our side, it, it, feels, it feels like we're aware of what's going on at me at the time, that I recognize him as both Savior and Lord, so that means I have to, I have to come on. Is that, that, I don't know if you guys, if you, when you became a believer, if you remember that feeling of understanding that when it dawns on you that, hey, he's Lord and I'm not, and that feeling of understanding, I, I'm going to have to submit to him. I'm going to have to bow my knee to him. I'm going to have to recognize. It doesn't make him Lord. I have to recognize that he's Lord. I have to recognize that it's not going to be, I can't be useless and keep slipping off layers of skin hoping it's going to change, that I need him to come undress me himself and do a deeper operation than I could possibly do on my own. That's conversion whenever you're wrestling with those thoughts and you finally come to say, yes, Jesus, you are Lord, you are Savior. But on the other side, it's called regeneration. And that's when, whenever you do that, God makes you a new person. Look at Colossians 3. going the wrong direction. Is anybody in here, like, I've been a Christian a long time, but I still, like, say God's electric power company in my head whenever I'm in, the, in, the, in this part of the epistles? God's electric power company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how you kind of rem- remember in Sunday school what order they're in. Colossians 3, verse 1, if then, you, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on th- on, so your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he said when you become a believer and you go through conversion, you die and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In such a way that he even says that we, that, that we have been raised with Christ spiritually and figuratively. You as he, whenever you put your faith and trust in him, you experience his death on your behalf, but you also experience his, rex- his resurrection on your behalf. And him, and him seated in heaven is our assurance that we will be raised with him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. This is one of the favorite like, 
coffee mug verses, like it's on like Christian calendars and you know, anything that Christians can put verses on and then sell, which is kind of crazy to me. But, you know, they'll be on blankets and wall hangings and usually like with something that'll be cheesy or something that you can't quite figure what goes along with it. Always like a, 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 a serene uh, sunset or sunrise over a meadow or, a, or, a, or the ocean. And then they'll say, They'll say this verse here, but this is an amazing verse. Don't, don't like think about it in like a coffee cup or a, or a, or a calendar or a T-shirt kind of thing. But I, but I say walk by the Spirit. And, ah, that's not the right book. I didn't even turn. I told you guys to turn. I didn't turn. That's a good verse too, but that's not where, where we are. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Uh, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So he's talking about that old man that we were reading about in Ephesians 4, where he says, put, put away the old man and put on the new, put away the old way of life, put on the new way. So he, he's saying that, he's saying that, you are, you do have an old man. That's the old way of thinking. That the Shaw, the, for Morgan Freeman, whenever he was released from Shawshank, it was an old way of thinking. He had to no longer think that way. Put away that way of thinking. You are a new creation. You have been remade. And then second, so Christian change is first sudden, but second, Christian change is both gradual and intentional, like a prisoner relearning life. Christian growth is both gradual and intentional. So I am once, I'm once for all freed from prison like Morgan Freeman. I hopefully, uh, it's not quite the same, but I'm hopefully uh, uh, once for all shed of the 30, 35 pounds or so that I've lost in the past couple of months. Hopefully I'm once for all shed of those. We'll see. Come check back with me in six months and, and we'll see what's going on with that. But hopefully once for all I'm shed of that. I don't fit those clothes anymore. Morgan Freeman was released, but even though he was released, he had to, he needed to relearn how to live life as a freed man. Not think like the one who was still in prison. Not walk like a man who's, I'm still wearing my, my big old pants and my big old shirt. It doesn't fit me anymore and I'm all goofy. Everybody's walking around seeing, you know, I'm having to pull it all tight, hold my pants up while I walk around. He's saying don't live like that anymore because that you have changed. That is, growth, that is gradual and intentional. Let's look back at our text, Ephesians 4. To put off, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true holiness uh, and true righteousness and holiness. So there's three kind of commands there that he gives us. He says, put off, put on, and be renewed. That's not the order he gives them on. He says, put off, be renewed, and put on. So Again, at first glance, it can look like he's saying, all right, I don't want you guys to act bad anymore. I want you to act good. But that's not exactly what he's saying. Because the wording there um, in both the put off, having, when he says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner, and then he says to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Uh, those, those, the, the wording of those verbs are past tense, actually. So he says, it was done. 
Whenever you became a believer, that sudden change, that conversion and regeneration, you were changed. You put off the old manner and you put on the new manner. But then he gives a third command. And he says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So that's the gradual and intentional change that has to occur. It's now I live a different way because I'm a different person. Morgan Freeman had to live a different way because now he was a free man. I have to live a different way now because I've changed my diet and I've changed what I wear and uh, because it doesn't fit me anymore. I have to act in regard, in, in accordance with the change that has occurred. That should be freeing for you as a Christian. First of all, to know that your future change is locked up in the past sacrifice of Jesus Christ on your behalf. And if you have become a new believer, if you have been converted and regenerated, then your future change to look more and more like Jesus is secured by your conversion and your regeneration. But it also should encourage us that it doesn't all happen in a split moment. If you didn't become perfect when you became a Christian, you know what? That's all right and expected. Because Christian change happens by a renewal of our minds that is gradual. So it happens day by day by day. I am, that, that, renew, that renewing of your minds, the wording there in the Greek, has, is, is present infinitive. It means it's, it's present perfect. It's, 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 he's, being, he's saying, be being renewed in the spirit of your mind, day by day, moment by moment. So you're growing. So maybe you're immature. Maybe you have a lot of issues. Maybe you feel like, I've been a Christian a long time and I should be more mature, but I'm not. Don't let that cover you up. Christian change is gradual. But here's the other side of that. It is both gradual and intentional. It's gradual and intentional. That means it doesn't just happen. That's why he's writing this whole section here. If Christian growth just occurred without any effort or out, without any thoughts, he wouldn't have to write anything. We would just get people saved and then just let them sit around and they would, they would just grow and, and, and mature and, and everything would happen. We'd come back, check back in five years and then mature believer, but that's not the way it happens. We've got a lot of junk in our life. We've got a lot of former thinking the way Morgan Freeman did whenever he was released from prison that needs to be changed, that needs to be renewed. And that can only happen intentionally. That can only happen by intention. By you saying, I desire to grow, and I'm going to put my efforts and my energies into seeing the fact that I am growing as a believer, that I am changing, that I am putting off the former manner of life because it doesn't fit me anymore, and I'm putting on the new manner of life because that is what fits me now. And it happens daily in the renewing of your mind. We're going to run through a couple examples that he gives here. And then, um, and then we're going to talk about how that happens, and then we'll be done. We're going to run through this last section here, verse 25. So he's going to give us, this is what's awesome about Scripture, is that it's super practical. And listen to, in each of these, in each of these examples that he gives, he's going, to, he's going to tell us this is the former way, and this is the new way. Okay? So put off and put on. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. Therefore, having put away falsehood. See? Past tense, it was done. Therefore, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. 
having put away faults, so don't lie to each other. And not just lie, like outright lie, but like, like you know, like the lies. Like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, yeah, I'm doing fine. That, that's, that's, a, that's a falsehood. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Liars go to hell. Don't you know that? You are coming in here to a Christian brother or sister asking you how you're doing, and you say fine, and things aren't going fine. That is falsehood. He says you can be free to be real with each other because you are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry. That's all right. You know what? We're going to get angry. I told you guys before, it drives me crazy. The extra, like, people think it's the express line coming to, if you're heading west or north on 501 by the Tanger Outlets, you're coming up to Carolina Forest, which is always bunched in, especially at rush hour, and people just think that's like an express line to jump in front of everybody else that is, like, getting in line and knowing that if we bunch all up at the front, it's going to make it take longer. I would just like, oh, you guys, oh, I get so angry at those guys. You know what? Getting angry is going to happen, but being angry, he says, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Ah, so he's saying, don't just like, oh, I, I hate this person, person getting on the nerves. He's saying you're going you're gonna to go after them. And you're going you're gonna to address it with each other and give no opportunity to the devil. That's worth a whole sermon on itself, that when we get angry with, with each other when we, and we do not sit down with each other and confront each other and help each other to find a common ground and work through it like brothers and sisters who are members of one another, then the, the devil has an opportunity. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. See how he quit doing this? Now do this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is put on only such that is building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Put off all that, but now put on, be kind to one another, and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You know how that changed it's going to happen. That gradual, intentional change happens. It happens with, in a lot of ways, what happens with three key things. This is the intentional part that you and I are responsible for. It happens through, and it's the same thing, right? Not, I mean, I'm not saying anything profound here. It happens through prayer, through being in the Word of God, and in community with each other. You know what? It doesn't happen by you waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to have a checklist of things I'm going to do and I'm not going to do today and check and see how you did at the end. It happens by you saying, I am so committed to gradual and intentional change. I'm going to put off the old because it doesn't fit me any longer and I'm going to put on the new. And the way that happens is I have my mind renewed to think like a free man. And the way that happens is being in the word and in prayer and in community. You can't leave out any of those parts. If you're in the Word and community without prayer, you can learn a lot of Scripture, you can be around other Christians, but God won't be confronting your heart every day and changing. You can be praying and being around other believers, but you can believe whatever you want to believe because there's no Scripture in the mix. You can, you can be praying and reading the Word and, and be deceiving yourself because you're not in close enough relationship and community with other believers to hold you accountable. And that's what he's saying that we need. We need to be devoted to that 
so that we can put off the old and put on the new. Let me ask you these questions. What would your life look like if you really began to change in the areas that you need to change in? You know those areas, those besetting sins, those habits. Some of us, it may look like minor things. Some of us, there are major things in our lives. It's like the gorilla in the room. Everybody around you knows what the gorilla is. What would your life look like if you actually began to experience change in that area? It may seem overwhelming, but know that you can change because of what Jesus Christ has done. And if you are a believer, then because of your conversion and regeneration. And if you're not a believer, you can change by placing your faith and trust in him as both Savior and Lord. What would your life look like? How would it affect your marriage and your romantic relationships and your friendships and your work relationships? How would, how would people view you at work and your, your marriage and your romantic relationships? How would those change if you actually began to change? I'm not talking about your partner beginning to change. I'm not about you beginning to change. By you being renewed in your mind day by day and experience gradual and intentional change. And then the last question is how, what, what effect would it have on people who aren't Christians? People who are young Christians, struggling Christians, nominal believers, people who are disgruntled with the church, uh, have been let down by other Christians. How would it affect them if they came into a community of people who were exper- who, who experienced that kind of change? I think it would affect them greatly because, first of all, they would come in and we wouldn't expect them to change before they're a believer because we know the problem is that not that they're, that they're sleeping around. The problem is that they're, they're dead. They're blind and they need to be brought to life. It would also give the Christians that are struggling and disgruntled, it would give them great freedom when they come into our midst because we would be able to say, it's, honest, it's okay to be honest about who you are and where you are in life and the problems and issues that you have. It's okay to be there. Be honest. Let's be honest about it. But there's a pathway to change. It would give great hope to them. It would give great hope to people in general if they came into a community of believers that were living like that. Because they would be looking at your life and my life and seeing us change. And that's an amazing thing. Somebody can come in and they might be ready to give up on church. Somebody might be coming in and they don't believe that the Bible is real or God is real. But if they look in your life, they see you changing, and you changing not because you're just trying to hold things down and be a better person, but you're changing because you are, that's no longer who you are, like a pair of clothes like a, like that, that don't fit you anymore. Oh, it's hard to refute that. It's a proof who God is and what he's done for us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.